Hello, everyone. This is Scott McNamara with What's New in Adaptive Physical Education. Uh, I am very excited. I have uh, Dr. Michelle Grenier here, and she is the president of the National Consortium for Physical Education for Individuals with Disabilities, as well as the former uh, professor of health and physical education uh, at the University of New Hampshire. So kind of in Michelle's big shoes here at my position as she's recently retired and I've I kind of sort of taken a position of hers and her and Dr. Stephen Wright. Um, they're the, the two faculty that recently retired from uh, University of New Hampshire that I've taken their position. So hello, Michelle, how are you? I am great, Scott, and thank you for having me on your podcast. Really looking forward to this. Absolutely. And Michelle right now is in North Carolina because she is traveling the country, enjoying her retirement. So how is, uh, how's retirement going first off? <laughs> Uh, I think I saw something on somebody's signature, Jane Clark, who said, repurposed, not retired. So I am, <laughs> I am repurposing, you know, continue to have my professional relationships, which I am really excited about it. Good. It's, it's a nice transition. I also really enjoy traveling and getting to see the country. You know, there's something about that, those firsthand experiences, particularly being from the Northeast. So Right now we're, you know, in, in North Carolina after having been to the Outer Banks, totally recommend that um, and onward uh, down continued south. So this is a good time and I'm happy to be on the show as I mentioned earlier. Wonderful. And we're gonna talk about Nick Pete and a little bit about you and maybe a little bit about our transition, both of us. So real quick, Michelle, um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your background in adapted uh, physical activity education? Well, as we know, our histories kind of inform where we are for each of us. And my history began as a physical education major at the University of Massachusetts in the 70s. And so I went in, I always loved to be physically active, loved to move, knew I could not be in an office uh, sitting around and loved working with kids. So I went to my undergraduate program at the University of Massachusetts. Now, remember this time period, we're talking about the 70s. This is pre-IDEA or just about the time it was coming into play. And so for my adapted physical education practicum, I actually had to go to a state institution to see individuals with disabilities. I had no experience working with students with disabilities because they just weren't in schools, they weren't around. So vividly remember walking through these locked doors, seeing individuals in an institution. That, that really has marked me forever in terms of that. Um, having gotten out of school, like many PE teachers, I couldn't find a job and this was in the 70s. So I became a paraprofessional, which actually is a great foundation for working with individuals with disabilities. I worked in a preschool and I was a, a nurse essentially to a young child with spina bifida, suctioning her and traveling with her on the bus. I mean, these were times things have changed quite a bit. Now she would have had a full-time nurse. Um, and then my second year, I worked with a student who had cerebral palsy and was in a separate classroom, you know, totally separated from the mainstream school. However, since they didn't have adapted physical education back then, I became the PE teacher of these class of severely disabled students. Uh, fast forward a bit, moved to New Hampshire, and during that time, 
Um, I worked in two schools in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and they both, one school had a school with physical disabilities. They housed a sort of self-contained program and then the second school behavioral disabilities. But what was unique about the school in Portsmouth, particularly one is they had a really strong collaborative model. And this is where the term mainstream comes into be because as a physical education teacher, those students were mainstreamed into physical education, not the general education classroom, but physical education. So I always found it kind of interesting. I'm like, okay, how are we gonna work with these kids? I'd work with a special ed director and everybody else, and we'd figure out some really creative and unique situations. And I really enjoyed that aspect of my teaching. It was a little bit more challenging with students with behavioral disorders, you know, the sort of unpredictable nature of it, but still again, a strong program that really got me to thinking and liking that aspect of teaching. And remember, I'm a PE teacher, I'm not an adapted PE teacher. So I don't even think I knew really about adapted physical education at that time. Um, and then as I progressed through my education, I got a master's in special physical education right there at the University of New Hampshire with Dr. Ron Croce. And so I am sort of enhanced my repertoire and my skills and my knowledge. And then went on to get a PhD in education at the University of New Hampshire. And again, it wasn't an adapted PE program. It was a, a doctor of philosophy. And I did my research looking at inclusive practice of general physical education teachers. So if we look at how that history works, my lens really was of a physical education teacher as opposed to an adapted physical education teacher. And really now, as I continue, as I continued, I've been fortunate enough to work with many great teachers who have taught me so much about working with students with disabilities. My students have taught me, as you, as we all know, as higher in higher education, they teach us about how to teach. Um, but it's always been that sort of unique. I wouldn't say aesthetic quality, but the challenges associated with teaching individuals who are different and then bridging that gap, particularly if you're looking at GPE programs, you know, students with disabilities working within GPE programs. In the state of New Hampshire, we don't have an APE endorsement. And so with the exception of a handful of APE teachers within the state, all of our GPE teachers work with students with disabilities. And I find, as you will see, Scott, that sort of spread effect, you know, with all the resources and the way we train our teachers that these teachers are on board with inclusive practices with what's best um, for their students with disabilities. So if you look at a little bit of my history, I became, I was a GPE teacher, studied inclusive, you know, pedagogies and practices and always continue to have that interest in looking at how do you do it? Asking your teachers, like, what do you do? How do you do it? And it's amazing how creative and dynamic some of these teachers are. Absolutely. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, no. Um, and, and yeah, it's, I think, yes, we're in a state that doesn't have an AP in, endorsement. And honestly, you know, I've now lived in four states, Michigan, Iowa, Texas, New Hampshire. The only one with an endorsement was Michigan. But, you know, as I've seen, like, there's, there's often good programs without the endorsements. Um, you know, I've, I've had podcasts where we talk about the need for endorsements, and I do believe we need to have standards. But at the other end, if you have committed individuals that are, you know, committed to the resources and, and just a few people in place to kind of guide them, you can still have quality programming, obviously. I saw that a lot with, in Iowa with Ann Griffin. Ann Griffin has been on the podcast. She's one of the best APE teachers, consultants, really. I've ever seen, um, but you know, APE was barely a thing in Iowa, 
Um, but Anne, you know, was an expert to many general physical educators and really, she was really helpful, I think, to a lot of them and allowing them to be successful. So that even though they didn't have many experts in the area to help, help, I think if they were committed and good physical educators, um, just having Anne around, I think, really, really helped them, and she didn't have to do all too, too much. Yeah, Anne was Anne was great because she helps, is great, continues to be great. She taught teachers to think outside the box, mm -hmm. and sometimes in our teacher training programs, we don't teach our teachers to think outside the box. And Anne would come in and say, "Look at this piece of equipment, and look what I can do with this piece of equipment." And she would extend really what learning meant or instruction meant for our individuals with disabilities. She's amazing. I think Christy Roth is amazing in terms of what they yeah. do in that respect. The other thing I would say about New Hampshire that's different, it's a small state. We're only a million people. So that so I feel like I almost knew everybody in the whole state at this point. That's how long I've been around. But also we have the Institute on Disability, which is really an inclusive think tank. And so that effect, there's this other spread effect in addition to Northeast Passage, NEP. And so you've got these entities within a small state which I think have that impact throughout at least many parts of the state. Yeah, you know, with that, I want to I want to just briefly because you know I'm obviously I'm stepping into your shoes and, and Steve's shoes, Steve Wright, and they're they're quite large and especially you know health, physical education, and adaptive physical education. You know, just to kind of streamline this this piece because obviously we could have this as a whole conversation and, and something that we do talk off the. Uh, off the air off, um, is, is this too, but what would you say is like, if you're, what, what would be your biggest advice to me um, in trying to advocate for quality physical education services for kids with disabilities in the state of New Hampshire, like moving forward, like what are the things that I need to tackle or, or, or attempt to tackle in this uh, position I'm in? Well, first of all, uh, to the larger audience, I want to tell everybody that when Scott accepted the position at the University of New Hampshire, I was beyond the moon because I know I can give people advice, but it's the person themselves and what they are and who they are. And knowing what Scott has done for our APE community, I used his podcast you know, his literature and his research. So here within this PEEP program, and again, it's not an APE program, it's a PEEP program. We have a person who's wholeheartedly committed to adapted physical education and working with students who are different. And I think what's unique about our New Hampshire program is we'll have it all. We've got a strong health program. We've got both, you know, a PEAT and an APE. And that could be a distinguishing mark for New Hampshire, as opposed to a straight PEAT program, many of whom don't have the skills and are teaching uh, adapted PE without any knowledge. So for Scott, I'd say, I don't have a lot of advice because I know he knows the gig. I know he knows the game. He, he's worked with teacher practitioners. He's got a great personality so that people will be attracted to what he says and what he does. And as we talked before this, give it time, man. You know, like just give it some time to get to know the community and the culture and, you know, your people because our people in New Hampshire are our greatest asset, particularly our teachers. And once they you know, you begin to work with them, you realize it's a real collaborative working relationship that I'm, I know, I have no doubt that you are going to be successful. So I don't have any advice. I'm like, just keep doing what you're doing and we'll be good to <laughs> okay. go. I, I will say that whole, like, you know, I'm a 
this is my second time being an assistant professor and it's much different the second time because you have this background knowledge and that thing about building like the community and getting to know I'm doing way more and I'm really like I've mean physical educators and have physical educators I'm also so this is one of my things that I've been trying to do it's really hard with having baby coming and all this good stuff but I've been trying to have lunch or coffee with at least one faculty member in our department every week so um, that's like to any like assistant professors listening I would say or even teachers like try to make the time like like a workaholic which I am absolutely though like if you don't take the time to get to know your community that you'll be working with you're going to make you're not going to make decisions that are informed by the community that you're you're with and in, in, in so like i think it's so important to do that that's brilliant i'm and i'm sure they appreciate it and <laughs> and then that'll extend outside to you know we have a great rec management program so those collaborations and those relationships will continue to build good on you scott keep it up <laughs> well baby's coming so i think the lunches and coffees are about to stop too. But <laughs> everything's going to stop. I'm happy to breathe. Um, but uh, okay, so I want to talk a little bit about Nick Feed. I've had multiple people um, on the pod podcast. I would say actually Nick Feed's very well represented on the podcast overall. I have a lot of members from Nick Feed on here. I'm a member um, of Nick Feed, and I've loved being. A, I've been a member since like 2012 or something. Um, and uh, I love it. And so you're the president of this organization that advocates for our field um, at a national level, puts on a great conference every single year. Um, it does all these advocacy pieces. I think has really been doing some really great stuff to like trying to like do things more regularly too online and social media. So anyways, um, can you tell us why you believe Nick Pete is an important organization for the field of adaptive physical education? And a little bit about like, what your day-to-day -day role looks like as the NICP president. Great, thank you for asking, Scott. The National Consortium for Physical Education for Individuals with Disabilities is a strong organization. And I think one of our goals will be to not necessarily make it stronger because it always is strong, but have our footprint be larger. And we totally um, are grateful for individuals like Scott who have this podcast, who are finding ways to reach out to the public. So in terms of NICPED, um, we are an advocacy and education program. And what we find, particularly if you've taught Scott in four different states, you know that there are four different ways that the teachers teach and think about physical education and physical education for students with disabilities and adapted physical education. So we're getting questions from all over the country, like my student isn't in the class and he has physical therapy, like what should I do? And in, in that terms of that, we have a great advocacy coordinator, Susanna Dillon, who knows the law inside and out, who is well-connected uh, throughout the country. And so we are able to answer those questions that teachers have. I think one of the issues that I found particularly being in teachers, teacher education is that teachers don't know. They don't understand the law because they don't have a strong, which your research will bear out, correct? They don't have a strong undergraduate training in adaptive physical education, potentially one class, very little about the law. And so for the most part, you've got GPE teachers, some APE teachers, but GPE teachers teaching who have no idea what it means to work with students with disabilities. And I think NICPED will address both those educators 
working with students with disabilities as well as we also have higher education. So I think it's a top-down approach where we're trying to address higher education, but we're also looking at the day-to-day -day practices that our teachers face, and there are numerous, particularly given COVID and what they need to do. So I would say for NICPED, our two strengths are education and advocacy. And if we can increase our footprint, because I think a lot of people don't know about NICPED, if we can increase our footprint and a knowledge to the general public who we are, you know, that would be a great goal. And we would be doing a service to all of our educators. Completely agree. And that point on the law thing and not knowing, I just did, I'm um, writing up a study right now where we interview about 24 APE teachers about their relationships and understanding school administrators. And one of the big things that, that we found that I found to be really interesting, and this is one of our, our findings, is that the administrators, although they advocate, they're like really big on compliance with the law, although bare minimum of the law. So um, however, they're uninformed, even though, and that's what they often are most focused on when they talk about adaptive physical education, they're still often unknowledgeable about it. So even if they think it's a priority, they don't have the knowledge then to make sure it's occurring. So, I mean, that's another group I think that would be so important to have to actually understand what adaptive physical education is, um, because they, they yeah. often, um, they're lacking. And, and I think a lot of education systems are top down where the administrators are the, really the ones that, you know, you can know the law all day, but if your administrators aren't going to back you up on it, um, that they're not, you know. And I totally agree. And again, Scott, you've done that work that really speaks to this administration. And I think you had something on IEPs, on the, on the way IEPs are written and goals are written. Yeah. So you're, you're really targeting in those key issues that are impacting teachers, both APE and GPE, I think uh, right now the, our advocacy committee is writing up a document that speaks to that. Again, the question is, you, you know, we've got all of these laws, but administrators don't know. And so expanding our footprint through the podcast, through these APE collaboratives, going to them as opposed to them going to us, I think will be really, really important. And the more ad teachers know and administrators know, hey, look, you can't substitute anything for physical education. It's a yeah. direct service or adapted direct service. It's a simple message, but it's a hard message to get across. So I agree. I think that that whole notion of let's go to the top, the teachers know, but oftentimes they don't know how to advocate for themselves. Yeah. So let's work at the administrative level. And teachers do become administrators. So that, I mean, that is, you know, it's the long game is all, always to get to teachers and pre-service teachers too. So um, yeah, well, thanks. And, and I'm a huge advocate for everything that NICP does and stands for. So do you have any examples of some of the advocacy that Nick Pete's done at, at different levels? Well, I think right now I'll talk about, you know, we have an advocacy committee of which you are on the APINS no. committee. You are on the membership committee. I'm on the membership committee, <laughs> which I think is doing so, awesome stuff. So I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah, no, they're doing awesome. So this advocacy committee, I think we are working on a document. So we've got sort of these major initiatives, getting a document out there. 
We've got the behind the scene uh, initiatives, working with SHAPE, working with other um, entities. I think Susanna sits on multiple uh, boards. So again, that knowledge dissemination through the advocacy committee has been really important. I would say the membership committee has been huge in the last two years, totally huge. I think that this, a social media, I'm not a good social media person, but I look on it, but I think that's how knowledge is disseminated, not necessarily knowledge, but information is disseminated. And we've got some individuals who are really skilled at that. I am to totally grateful as president that we have individuals who take things upon themselves and actually do that. I think the APE collaborative, um, is a really strong initiative and we're going to start to house that and we have that on scott's ape podcast so people can reach out so we now we have this sort of repository of information again i think more and more people are saying or what what is nick pete our membership is growing covid while it was detrimental to many you know for our students and our teachers it did enhance the way that we reach individuals. So for example, I was just at Antietam, the battlefields in West, in Virginia, and everything they said, well, when we shut down, we went remote with everything. So you could just take your phone and you could just click on to something and hear about it. So we have uh, rethought the way that we get information out there. And I think it's enhanced our skills and abilities that way. Our conference last summer was virtual and we actually had a great attendance at that because people didn't have to physically travel. We're in the process of discussing that. So I think within this membership committee, we have the membership committee, we have advocacy, and we have the APINs, of course, which is teaching teachers, educators, how to be adapted physical education. We've got those standards. I think across the board, you know, those probably are the three largest entities that shape and form who NICPED is as an organization. I like the advocate that um, the article that you all have come out to. And um, yeah, always great information. I'm always, every time it comes out, I read the whole thing. So thank you for, for putting all that stuff out and, and kind of organizing it. I, I'm happy to hear that the organization's growing because I agree with you. Um, we have to make that footprint larger, um, 100%. With that, why, so if, I, if I'm a uh, professor, student in a, in a PEAT program, or if I'm a teacher, why would I want to get involved or become a member? And before you say that, I also want to thank uh, uh, Dallas Jackson for changing our website. <laughs> and I guess yeah. I think before we were sort of a little bit in the dark ages and... Uh, Finally, you know, we move forward and we have a website manager now, Mason Sir. And so if you look at the image, it's changed on Nick Pete. Yes. We no longer have the back of the man's head. Um, so just a couple of kudos. I think Melissa's great. We have so many great individuals. And to answer your question, become a part of Nick Pete because it's a community. And I as teachers, and I've worked with teachers in the field, and I've worked with folks in higher education and I professional development is huge for us to continue to grow not just in numbers but as professionals and educators and I think joining NICPED you become part of a community you can run for office and then have uh, multiple roles like Scott here is he's part of the membership committee he does the APE podcast so 
I would encourage you to join Nick Feed for that. A, for the professional community, um, we have our summer conference. And again, it's a way to reach out. Oftentimes, P teachers, if we're looking at practitioners, you know, they're working on their own, isolated in a gym. And I even think in higher education, if you're the only one teaching adapted physical education, then you're sort of working in isolation. And kudos to you for uh, meeting with all your colleagues for lunch. So joining NICPEED A uh, creates a, you're part of a larger community, a professional community. We need our membership or a nonprofit membership driven, nobody's paid at, in our organization. So we need members like all of you, like Melissa Bittner, Susanna, Tim Davis, um, who are just doing their work just to promote and because they love the field and they really wanna work within the field. If you want educational resources, we're starting to build our website and starting to help look at, you know, what, what do we need to sort of send out to the community and how do we send it out? So my job as president or my, the way I see my role is to coordinate all these efforts and my strength, I think, like you, Scott, is in relationships and in, you know, let's get this word out because we have this great organization, but how do we get this information out and what kind of information do we want to get out? Who do we reach out to? So I would strongly recommend folks look at the website, but also continue, consider joining you know, if you have a question, reach out to ask Nick Pede if you want to work on an organization or help part of these committees. Uh, reach out because we do respond. We're very responsive to our community. And if you have something that you'd like to see or you think we additionally could do that, we'll take that information, right? So again, member-driven organization that relies on its membership to advance and move forward. And uh, yeah. as president, I've been fortunate enough, I find it very rewarding to meet individuals such as yourself and all of the individuals in our field who are really talented and come from so many different perspectives, but are all on the same page in terms of let's make services for individuals with disabilities stronger. How do we do that at, in higher education? And how do we do it at the practitioner level as a, in addition to APA, adapted physical activity? Yeah, I mean, I know the first time I went was like, I think, yeah, I was a graduate student and I, like 2012, something like somewhere in there. So almost a decade ago, which is crazy to say. But I remember going and it like kind of blowing my mind and being able to meet people that were like, you know, and, and it was, um, you know, maybe a hundred, maybe less than a hundred people in the, in the conference, but it was like getting, really getting to know people, having really in-depth conversations. And now I, it's people I feel like are, some people I'm really close with still. And like some of these people I consider some of my best friends now, you know, and it's, um, it's incredible that these relations, I, I found that those, a lot of those relationships started at that Nick Peak conference um, years and years ago. Uh, yeah, I remember meeting quite a few people there and, and you know, way before. So it was awesome. Um, so with that, my last question for, uh, before I let you go is, um, how do you see the organization advancing in the next few years? So that is a great question. And, uh, you, know, you know, it's COVID has been a challenge because of not having face-to-face. -face. I think the professional relationships that we build and really are most impactful are are most impactful. Virtual relationships are impactful, but I think those face-to-face -face conversations that we have are particularly moving. And, and the organization in terms of growing, 
I would say at least my knowledge of the organization is how we disseminate information. And again, the knowledge has to go to individuals. I mean, you can come to NICP because you're looking for something, but I would, I love our membership initiatives. I love our advocacy initiatives. I think any way that we can take the information that we know as educators and get it out to the public is essential. And Scott, you probably understand this with your podcast. You've seen how huge it is and how the educational component for it. And I've used your podcast in my classes last year when I was teaching. So I think shifting in terms of NICPEED, we're going to just shift in terms of how we get that information out and how we become a stronger unit as opposed to that. I also think we have to see ourselves as um, something for everybody and not just a lot of teachers will say, well, that's not for me. I'm not, you know, I don't teach kids with disabilities or I'm not in adapted physical education. I have to, we have to see ourselves as an entity for all individuals, you know, because we've got a whole mix of individuals out there. So I think some breaking that barrier, not that's not important to have APE as it's as a foundational tenant of NICPEED, but also since we have most of our kids in GPE classes, let's work at in with PEAT programs. Let's work with our adapted PE program. So I think just disseminating that knowledge and kind of breaking barriers a little bit about who we are and what we want to represent will be really important. That was very well said. And uh, I can see why you're the president because you have quite a vision for the organization. And I, I, I think all of that's great. I think however we can grow it. And I think, I think your ideas of having like more knowledge that we're providing to the community and, and experts, all of those things. I, I've been really thrilled with what Nick Pete's been doing the last two or three years with, um, and I just looked at the website. I didn't notice it. I hadn't noticed it got updated. It looked beautiful. I really like that. I feel we're, we're trying to really trend towards what are we giving back to the community and what are we, you know, at, like looking at our purpose, it feels like and all of that of, of, of who we are and what we're trying to do. So I really appreciate you, Michelle, and everything that you're doing. Uh, thanks for using the podcast <laughs> in your classes. And uh, yeah, I just thank you so much. And thank you for all the support you've been giving me in my transition to New Hampshire, too. And like having me and my wife and baby over for uh, dinner one evening with Dr. Lauren Lieberman and Dr. Ellie Bryan and their uh, partners and all that. that was a lot of fun. So anyways, thank you. Yes, Scott, and I just, as I started saying this in the beginning, we really appreciate all the work that you do for us folks in adapted physical education, in physical education. I think you've made a huge difference in the field with the podcast. I think that just your presence, your enthusiasm, again, I, we're just really fortunate. And when you said, what can Nick P do for you? It's people like yourselves who, who as a member you become aware of and are able to meet and work with. And so we, our strength is in numbers. And so yes. I would encourage, join Nick Pete. Thank you, Scott. I know that you are moving on. Good luck with the, the new baby coming. If anybody yes. wants to know about, it's like raise the, I said full court press right now, Scott, right? You've got one B, one small, one under two, another one coming, new job, any, you know, new, no new stress, location. no you, you know. There's positives to it though. Like I like I think there's stuff that even like even like a year ago or with even one baby and being similar. Like I don't get stressed out about like the, you don't sweat the small things. Like I'll tell you that. Like.